0: Good evening welcome to this week's Sideline View here on Clare FM. Derek Lynch with you for the next hour. Coming up on the show, we look ahead to Clare's showdown with Limerick in the National Hurling League and speak with Colin Brown from the Clare GA Master Fixtures Committee. That's ahead of the discussion next week on the plan for 2023. Five-time All-Ireland winner with Kerry, Aidan O'Mahony, joins me ahead of his visit to Quilty for a coaching conference this weekend. Avenue United look ahead to the FAI Junior Cup last 16. And Alan Troy wraps up this week. Greyhound focus. Uh, looking ahead to that game in the Gaelic Grounds on Saturday evening, Clare versus Limerick. Colin Ryan joining me to do just that. Colin, it's um, I suppose it, you have to kind of remind yourself it's only February. Lads are getting quite excited about this game, but is it always the case with Clare and Limerick? There's no avoiding it.
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, especially maybe these days, you know, Limerick being the standard bearer, you know, everybody wants to have a cut at them. But um, you know I don't think Brian is too concerned about, you know, a result this Saturday night, you know, you could kind of see maybe from the team he put out against Westmeat and, you know, it, it's, you, you'd you imagine he'll, he'll, he'll try a good few lads on Saturday evening again and see maybe what he has going into Munster Championship because uh, it seems like that has been his ploy, you know, giving John a bit of time off. Uh, you know Tony only only sitting on the bench last week. You know Shane O'Donnell not back yet. You know in the in the action, Ryan Taylor not back in the action yet. Um, so like he seems to be definitely trying to find a few lads, uh, get a bit of action into a few lads. And like I think Westmeath was uh, uh, a a lose lose situation really for Clare. You know if they hammered them, they were expected to hammer them, and if they were put up to them, you know so I think they've managed it quite well and. You know, Limerick have named quite a strong team this Saturday evening. I think Limerick are a good bit ahead of where they were last year. Uh, You can see maybe Kylie setting out his stall a bit earlier. Um, And a lot of their big guns are kind of in in action a bit quicker. But, uh, you know, I think Brian will go, I won't say with an experimental team, but, you know, there'll be a good few lads. I think they'll get their chance against Limerick to see what they're made of.
0: Just on that Limerick thing, there seems to be two trains of thought on it. One, they played an outstanding first half and then a lot of people kind of wondering about the second period. But to me, it seemed as if they weren't out in the first half to kind of maybe try to get what they wanted out of the game, out of it. And after that, then, they weren't overly concerned about what was going to follow.
1: Yeah, I think they're comfortable enough with their situation. I think they know what they have, really, when it comes to championship. Um, you know, Kylie is hes probably just trying to get a bit more in the legs, I think, of, of some of the big-name players, maybe a bit earlier. Maybe it's something they kind of looked at uh, at the end of last year and kind of wondered, you know, why maybe they started slowly in the in, in the Munster Championship, you know, and why teams were maybe getting a bit closer to them than what they would have uh, expected. But, uh, you know, I definitely like the likes of Hagerty and Tom Morrissey and, and the likes, they seem to be coming into action a bit quicker uh, this year. But um, it is, it, it, like, I think, Cork, I think Cork were just a different animal maybe in the second half too. You know, I don't think Cork really, Cork stood off them in the first half. So... Like Limerick are the type of team that if you stand off or you're you're slightly off your the, the pace, you'll be made look very, very ordinary against them, you know, so you need to be all gun blazing for, for seventy minutes.
0: I know it's very difficult for Clare to read anything at all out of that game last Sunday in the park, but you'd have to be enthused by the way Adam Hogan and Jack Kerwin in particular threw themselves into a senior opportunity. Like it's, It, it was no fault of theirs in many respects as to who they were making their debut against. They probably had to show the same attitude and application if it was Westmeath or Limerick that would have been that first game up. So like, you'd be very, very heartened by that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like they are two... Uh, definite positions I think that Brian would have looked at at the, at the end of last year and kind of went, you know, we need backup here, cornerback anyway, for sure. You know, because if Paul or or Rory Hayes were injured, you know, and, and it's not to say that Adam Hogan won't, won't won't go ahead of any of them this year, but, you know, there wasn't really much options other than that if anything happened to them. So, you know, also midfield, there was a lot of chopping and changing in, into, you know, who brought a lot of energy. But you know, I thought Jack Kerwin was very impressive last week in terms of his direct running. now listen, he'll he'll get a whole new proposition against, you know, Darrow Donovan and 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 David Reedy who were named there the next day. Um so like it will really tell a lot of maybe where he's at in terms of his progression. But uh, you know, you you like to see a couple of lads kind of showing their face. It's great to see Mark Rogers back, it's great to see uh Aidan McCarthy back, you know, and they're gonna be options that De Breiner's gonna have at his disposal this year, and I think you know, people are very quick. I think maybe to write off Claire. I kind of like maybe the way Brian is setting his stall out early and uh, and kind of finding a few players and managing the situation. It's kind of keeping us under the radar, which is I think what suits us.
0: Would you like to be a forward, Colin, breaking or trying to break into that six places available at the minute? It's fairly stacked, isn't it?
1: I was, I was, I was having a discussion with somebody during the week, and I was kind of saying, like, you know, you have, you've, you've, you've you've obviously Tony Daniel and Ryan Taylor to come into it uh, Shane Meehan is there thereabouts you've Rayden McCarthy you've Peter Duggan you've Mark Rogers. you've Ian Galvin you know like so to be playing well especially like you, in games like maybe the Limerick Munster final last year when you need a bit of firepower or forward line so hopefully they can all stay injury free and give Brian a, a nice headache going forward into Munster Championship
0: yeah finally that's what it is all about Like I, mean, I don't think any clear support would be too despondent coming out the road. If things didn't go the way you'd want this, obviously on Saturday evening. But if you came out with another two or three in your head saying, do you know what, he'll do there for the year, like that's really the, the kind of sign of what you'd be looking for.
1: Yeah, for sure. And listen, like you always talk about league titles, you know, not meaning anything. I think league titles, you know, people kind of find themselves in a league final more than, you know, it's a goal at the start of the year. I think now at the minute. You know, some results can go your way. You look at, like, obviously, Limerick and Cork last week. You know, Cork beat them by a point in the end. You know, but the game could have gone any way. Limerick would have been happy with what they got out of it. You know, they, they're they're slightly ahead of Munster League. You know, obviously, they're below Munster Championship. It is where it is in the situation. But I think the league kind of becomes important when you find yourself maybe in a final and then you definitely don't want to lose it, you know, because it kills momentum. But I don't know if it's a goal set out at the start of the year that we're going to go gung-ho here to get to a league final. I think everybody just wants to see a bit of progression and find a few players. And I think that's exactly what Brian, I think Brian will be happy with the Limerick team named, you know, because it gives you know, Claire a proper look at maybe, you know, what lads would be like for for Munster Championship.
0: Yeah, but does I just wonder, and we we expect the teams to named later on this evening. Like, but I wonder, does he look at that and and perhaps change what he had in his own head? Do you know? Do you say to yourself, well, if he's thrown out the big guns, are are you tempted, or is that where the discipline kind of lies from a managerial point of view?
1: Yeah, like I think if there if there's anybody who won't kind of do what what people are expected of him, or or or, or you know what John Kiley expects of him, it's probably Brian Lohan. You know, I think Brian is very much his own man. I think he'll have gone in with a very clear idea of what he wants to get out of the league. You know, you can kind of see maybe with with how he has set up, even against Westmeath. you know, there have been loads of years maybe where we went to the Westmead game and, you know, Tony and John would have definitely seen some action. Whereas I think he kind of wants to see what he has at his disposal and, you know, I'd be very surprised if, you know, he didn't keep John and Tony on the bench again against Limerick and maybe give them, you know, 20 minutes uh, at the end of this game rather than, you know, no action at all and... You know, go with what he has and go with what the lads, you know, have shown him. Because I think he's very much of the opinion that if it's your jersey and and you're doing well, you hold on to it. You know, obviously until he has to make a big call come the first round of the Munster
0: Championship. All to be revealed later, but for now, Colin Ryan, thanks for that. Uh, Seven o'clock start in the two scilly grounds tomorrow evening with commentary here on Clare FM with Matt Waters, Clear Fruit and Veg, and Geraghty Spar and Off Licence on the Turnpike in Ennis next Monday evening will be the February meeting of Clare GAA romantically enough the chairman has moved it back from Valentine's Night avoiding a few rows in a lot of houses I'd imagine uh, so the 14th is kept free lads and uh, the meeting will be on Monday evening at the Woodstock Hotel the main topic on the agenda would be the Master Fixtures plan or the proposed one at least it's been with clubs now for a couple of weeks and uh, Colin Brown uh, who's on that committee is joining us to have a little look at it uh, Colm the annual task does it get any easier?
2: Good evening, Derek. Um, I suppose it doesn't, and maybe uh, just on your opening uh, note there on the movement of the day to avoid a clash of Valentine's, as some spouses might suggest that um, we'd be more suited to be in, uh, at a GA meeting <laughs> on Valentine's night. But um, the split season, I suppose we're in our second uh, year of it now and clubs have adapted to it, and particularly the early stages of the uh competitions, the leagues being played without county players uh, in what is a really busy period on the inter-county scene and that has a knock-on impact on the schedule of of games and clubs are now living that in reality in terms of seeing it last year and then not seeing their county players through until uh, championship time around July so definitely an impact on it and uh, I suppose keeping everybody happy doesn't get any easier, Derek.
0: Yeah, I guess the no matter of what way you go about it, the amount of weeks in a year doesn't increase any year, so you kind of have to try and uh, fix it all in, in what you have. Um. So with that in mind, then, Colum, we might just kind of run through what we'll call the, the top-line dates on it. Uh, we're just about a month away from the club league starting?
2: Yes, uh, we propose to kick off the Hurling League's uh, the Clare Cup rounds 1 and 2 in Division 2, uh, or divisions one and two, and division, um, uh, the subsequent divisions will be kicking off probably later in March or early April. But the Clare Cup would kick off on the weekend of the 11th, 12th of March, with the Cusie Cup, the football competition, and Gary Cup and Division Three kicking off on the weekend of St Patrick's weekend, the 18th to 19th of March, those dates. And then it's kind of every second weekend, more or less Uh, through to the concluding stages of the league competitions in June and early July before we turn the attention to Championship at that point.
0: Yeah, and just to remind people, as has been the case for the last number of years now, um, the league's, at the minute anyway, slated to be finished before the Championship starts?
2: Yeah, and I think that's something that we made a decision on a number of years ago in Claire G.A. And I think it's something that has served well in terms of uh, value in the leagues, because what we found is if leagues were not finished before championship, some teams that were involved in the concluding stages of the league were often out of championship early and there was quite a gap between when they would have played their last championship game and the concluding stages of the league and interest was lost, and the weather was a lot poorer, and it was just more difficult to get the games played, and it wasn't really meaningful competition.
0: Yeah, and uh, as you said, I think yeah, that has certainly been a success um, to, to avoid those scenarios. Uh, so that's the, the club leagues then on the uh, 11th of March and the 18th uh, for the football, 11th for the Hurling, and uh, the dates will roll on from there. From a championship point of view then now, I suppose this comes with the addendum. If if Claire and we hope they do obviously, get to either of the All-Ireland finals, there could be a change on these dates, but at the minute, the ones that are penciled in for the Hurling and Football Championships?
2: Yeah, I mean... As you say, the dates are obviously subject to how the inter county teams go, and we obviously all want to see progression on that front. But, subject to uh, teams not being in, in the All Ireland finals, the senior hurling championship would commence on the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd of July, with the two rounds of the senior hurling being played uh, on consecutive weekends on the basis that there are five rounds needed to conclude the group stages of the hurling, whereas things stand in the football, there are only three rounds needed to conclude the group stages. So the senior football would begin on the weekend of the 5th and 6th of August. Now, I might add a further addendum to that, Derek. There is talk of a grouped team or an amalgamation, as to be more commonly known, entering the senior football championship uh, this year. And if they were to enter that would add an additional two weekends to the Senior Football Championship. So we would be looking at the Senior Football Championship starting in that event uh, on the weekend of the 15th and 16th of July, the middle of July. So it would be a few weeks earlier to accommodate the extra rounds.
0: And we're expecting confirmation or otherwise then of that on Monday evening, is it?
2: We would hope to have that Monday evening, yes, if the clubs uh, have made their final decision. And obviously that application will then come before county committee on Monday evening for ratification.
0: Yeah, so as you said, like these dates are the provisional ones; they're to be discussed and debated by the clubs, I'm sure they've done that internally themselves, and their delegates will get the chance to uh, put across those uh, discussions then on the, at the meeting on, on Monday night. And um, it and the, I know there's a lot of talk recently as well, column about the uh, under twenty slash twenty one, whichever way you go about it, towards the end of the year again. Um, some suggestions, I think, perhaps of bringing one to say bring the hurling to its conclusion before starting the football, or vice versa. Uh, all that's still up for debate as well.
2: That's up for debate, and we have set that out in the document which accompanied the draft fixtures plan that was circulated to clubs about a week and a half ago at this stage. And it's a question of, I suppose, do you conclude one and let the players who are playing that code finish it out and be done rather than trying to run the two consecutively, and which often can have uh, delays, teams sitting around particularly if there's a backdoor format involved, which we had in uh, 2022. The format of the under-21s will also have to be determined whether we retain that backdoor format. And, you know, while I think the broad feedback was people liked the additional games, there are a number of other factors to be taken into account. There's consideration for the under-20 inter-county preparation. There's consideration for... um, some of those players who were in college and involved with third-level teams and the additional games and the travel at that time of year and exams, etc., for third-level. So there's a number of factors I think that people will need to bring into the discussion in deciding how we conclude um, on the format for the under-21 competition.
0: And, of course, weather as well. We saw last year, the, the the frost that came around those couple of weeks as well kind of kicked on a few fixtures as well. So all that to, to be taken into account, I'd say
2: yeah absolutely the weather but you know i mean ultimately i suppose the weather delayed a couple of the games but by and large Mm -hmm. the games got played um or so while it was a factor we probably were able to see a couple of pitches hold up and take a number of games and that probably dealt with that issue but it's not ideal obviously that time of the year but there isn't any other clear window Mm -hmm. for the under 21 competition If you want to play it from start to finish in one block, you could potentially start it maybe late June, but you wouldn't get it finished. And you're back to the situation of starting a competition, long delays and finishing it. It's almost like two different championships. And we'd probably prefer to look at that window in the middle of, or late June to early July to see, could you have uh, a competition potentially at under 19 level? Uh, It was tried last year, but the interest was um, poor enough among uh, clubs, to be honest. So what the committee have suggested this year is that we might look at something novel like a seven-side competition run over one or two Saturdays to give a different um, feel, I suppose, and a different type of competition Mm -hmm. to that age group. But something then that equally gives them an opportunity to go play some games at that time.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, as we said at the outset, not easy to find the dates for all those, but uh, all that to be debated uh, on Monday evening before booking the table for Tuesday night as well. Uh, Colin Brown, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We are back shortly here on Sideline View. And you're very welcome back. Now Saturday we'll see a host of top names in Gaelic Games come to park now, Vera in Quilty for a coaching conference organised by Evan Talty under his IGAA coach company. One of those who will be talking to the coaches there is the five-time All-Ireland winner with Kerry, Aidan O'Mahony, who was, of course, recently featured on the TG Cahar Laker Gwail series. The rat man, also a former Dancing with the Stars champion, where one of his fellow finalists that year is a woman, of course, with strong clear connections in Avingarrahy. I started by asking Aidan, how was it that even on the dance floor, the Kerry man still managed to get the upper hand on the neighbours?
3: <laughs> Would you believe I didn't even think of that? Um... <laughs> Yeah, Jesus, yeah, it was it's five years ago, now or six years ago, nearly. Like, so it is a, tis a long, long time ago. Um, interesting times. I was laughing. I was looking at the local the last night, and I see Dan. He's interviewing. the Big laugh out of him when he actually <laughs> heard I was going dancing. I think that was, uh, I think, on, on most people's minds. I'd say, but no, it was actually, it was a great thing to do. Um, I suppose. Look, it's like no different to sport when you get to, I suppose, semi-finals and finals. You always want to win, but. Um, yeah, it was it was a nice project, I suppose, for me personally. It probably filled the void when you play football. A lot of people talk about that when you finish playing football, whether it's club or county. Um, you talk about that, that void. Like so, it was a uh, it was a nice stress to add in there just to, to fill that void.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love Donna. His comment as well that uh, something to the effect of typical Mehany, sure he only wins and won the bloody thing.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I suppose look, I my son Kieran will be very close <laughs> down to the years. We've been deep battles, I suppose, with club and. Obviously, with Kerry as well, we didn't match each other last time. But, um, no, look, I, I think, especially with sport, um, I, I'm always saying that, like with the, the whole Kerry thing, and I suppose with any county that, you know, when you put on a, a county jersey, you become very determined and driven. And, um, you know, that kind of follows you in life as well with sport and, you know, your, I suppose, everyday, I suppose, job. And it's a good thing. And I suppose, like, one thing with Kerry, and I, I'm always saying this is not an ignorance, I suppose, it's because of the Kerry golden years that, When you actually play the jersey, if you don't win all Ireland, it's seen as a failure. Like so, look, that was driven into from a young age when you were kind of starting off with Kerry, and it's something that follows you through, I suppose, to everything you do in life.
0: Yeah, I was going to, I was going to maybe talk. maybe through the Lake Regale later on in the interview, but just mm-hmm. as you bring it up, like I have to say one of my favourite parts was the local vet recounting the story of seeing you trying to get up the hill on the tractor as a young fella and that it kind of, in a lot of ways, maybe that little moment was a microcosm of what was to follow in your life. You you struggled up an awful lot of hills, but in fairness you, got right to the top and out the far side.
3: Yeah, I suppose, look, when it becomes a pattern in your life, um, you find a way to... I suppose, to overcome it or to get through it. Um, I was laughing myself when he was telling that story. <laughs> um, I was thinking first, I, I, I remember that old kind of massive Ferguson tractor. I think there was three wheels in it, so that might have been a part of the story as well. But, um, yeah, look, I suppose, it, like, as I say, like in Lake Gale, um, like football wasn't a big part of my life at a young age. It wasn't, you know, I suppose nowadays, when you're watching David Clifford and all these guys and the own Cleary's from Clare and stuff like that, you know, young lads want to follow in their footsteps. Um so, yeah, like, as I said, I was knocking more and gym out of soccer as well because my, I suppose, my older brothers were playing in it. But, look, I was lucky enough, and I think it's it's probably a learning curve as well when we talk about development squads now and young players and, I suppose, the pressures that are on them that, you know, some things can just happen for you. You know, you don't need to be playing minor or playing on the 20 with the county to, to not necessarily play a senior. And, look, I, I'm, I'm one of those kind of advocates now that I'm saying that if you're a child, whether they want to go dancing or gymnastics or anything like that they'll always kind of find their own kind of way in life and what they want to do instead of kind of pressure or pressurize them into like i know myself derek from having two little girls here at home the last thing i'll be doing is carrying him down to football field because i want them to follow in dad's footsteps um i'll take him to gymnastics i'll take him to swimming i'll take him to everything they want to play um but i won't be forcing him to kind of play something that i played myself
0: yeah, I suppose that's maybe from your own experience. I think a lot of people, Aidan, would have been surprised to hear you admitting that as a young fella, football wasn't something that was really on your radar.
3: No, like we used to go out the door at 9 o'clock in the morning and we'd come home at 11 o'clock at night, there was four or five neighbours and it was like the old times where you was, you'd eat in the the, the neighbour's house if it was around 5 o'clock, it was, it was a common thing and yeah, um, you know, we we spend more times climbing trees and up mountains and whatnot. And that's that's who we were. I I sound like an off mountainy man now, but that's <laughs> who we were. We we grew up in farms and yeah. we knew we knew. Our summer times were were uh, in in the bog and cutting hay, and um, that was it. And like football, as I said, the asthma thing obviously was a big burden as well. And I I knew it last night, you know, I even talked about like we had great teachers growing up where they knew giving 20 minutes there it was like a token gesture because they were afraid that something would happen. And uh, that was fine too. You know, it was part of my life, as, as I said, last time. I was sick and, um, you know, I was trying to learn and get through those things. And uh, look, for, I'm sorry, lucky is what you need. I'm always saying if you're winning all-irons or anything like that, you need a bit of luck and good fortune. And probably that through my career as well.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people as well, Aidan, would have noticed that when you were out uh, for that clip hunting in the, the sheep, the, the white runners that you're on that day, I'd say they wouldn't do in the depths of winter.
3: Yeah, would you believe now, Derek, I was saying to my brother Noel, um, I said, what are the chances one day he'd be up there he'd be dosing the sheep, I said, we were very fortunate now to have the whole thing, <laughs> but I said, what are the chances in the line with a pair of white Converse, and uh, yeah, don't worry, that, that was, the, the I think, the most messages I got her about the last <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, but it was, but it was obviously and like, that was our childhood. Like my brother Noel, um, you know, he had the farm from a young age and he'd pick me up from school every Monday to Friday and the weekends and off we go. And like the great learning curve I always got from, from growing up in a sheep farm is when you went out the hill and there's a hill out there, it's miles upon miles and it goes into the wilderness and there's three or four of us have claimed this, So all there's a couple thousand sheep out there. But like he taught me from a young age, like you, you might bring in a hundred and you might have a hundred and two or three sheep. But you'd go back out for those three. You'd never leave them behind you. And it kind of lays, I suppose, the foundation. Then when I actually joined Kerry, when I started off, you wouldn't be able able for the runs and stuff. And then when you were getting older and you were getting more experience, you actually wouldn't leave no one behind you. And it became a kind of thing even I see through football and through sport where the most important thing, you can do all the workshops and game days and scenarios and everything, but the biggest thing like is bringing everyone with you.
0: Yeah, and that, and that really struck me as well, because I, I, I'd, I'd met Kieran Donahue before for various things, including um, an event there at the Armada Hotel for the uh, Irish Open that he was at as well. But like, it really struck me that a fella like him said something to the effect of that they felt during your tough times that they weren't as good teammates as they maybe could have been. So like, that just to me was a real example of the kind of bond you had and the responsibility that you felt for each other.
3: Yeah, but there was a responsibility to win. Um, you know, even for me that time, like, Kieran, I think, was being, I'd say, too nice for me. Um, like, I was like a closed book, and I wasn't opening up to players. I think they're different generation now because of sports psychology and everything. It was back there, a small bit when I was playing, but I didn't use it, um, you know, because I, obviously I had that exterior look that I thought I needed to kind of follow through with, and... Um, no, like, players are there to win. Like I'm always saying, when you come into a county panel first, you have to be selfish because, number one, you need to get your foot in the door, so it needs to be about you. Number two, then, when you do get in there, it's about the group. And number three, for a part of the the, the year, it's about you again because you want to get on that championship team. And wanting to get on that team means you're pushing other people. And it's it's just getting into that mindset. And I just think, now I know from, I suppose, being involved with Kerry on the Rage and all these kind of different structures, sports psychology is a huge part where they get players to open up to each other and the more you can get to know someone the more people and players let down their guard. I think the more trust you have going to a pitch that you know, that they're there for you. Like so look it's becoming huge in sport, Eric. Like all these things are kind of all factor in and I suppose everything comes at a cost in as well.
0: I guess you experienced it maybe at the start of the the deep sort of focus now that's on players at intercounty level. Maybe the, the online thing maybe hadn't struck as much, we'll say, during your period, but like you hear it now an awful lot from players that they nearly stay away from social media after matches and maybe altogether because there's very rarely anything much positive on it. Like, and the spotlight now on, on those kind of guys in the public eye, it must be three, four, five times as hard to deal with.
3: Oh, absolutely. And like in 2008, if I was on social media, I was the latest developer to social media, thank God. But if I was on in 2008, I, I don't know if they would ever kicked the ball again. But, um, you know, and it's gas, like, the, the thing about 2008, we'll say, after the diving incident and inhaler incident, people are always very quick to to message you and let you know, in c- just in case you didn't know, and um, I suppose, for me, nowadays, I think people are getting more braver, I think you've got plenty keyboard warriors where they're tagging players um, after games and stuff, and, like, I know what people say, look, they're in the public eye, and they're on social media, and they're making their profiles over. but at the same time, you know they have to go home to have families. They have to go home to work. Um, you know they are going out there day in day out representing their counties, their clubs, their families, and I think that's the biggest thing. They have families at home. You know, no player goes out there, and I know I've done plenty of wrongdoings myself and plenty of regrets you look back on, but no player goes out to do something intentionally. And I just think it's nowadays people, especially on Twitter, I see it myself. It's just a negative platform where, you know, the more negative you can be, the more retweets you get, and um. I, for me, I kind of, I really kind of stay off it as such because I I kind of like it from the, I suppose, s side and the coaching side of it. I think there's brilliant stuff on it mm. when it's done properly, but then I see times where people are questioning this and questioning that. I, I'm always one of those people that, you know, if it works for you or if it works for a team, you know, then you shouldn't be questioned. But look, that's the, the beauty of Twitter. I think people use it a lot of times just for the... For the wrong reasons.
0: Yeah, as you said, there are some brilliant resources on it though, like like Sarah Boyne and these people at the analysis kind of really jumps to mind. I think during the lockdown as well, was there videos of yourself abroad in the pouring rain doing push ups to stay active?
3: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And I got a good uh, plenty of stick for that <laughs> as well. Like, and they uh, like say when you have a tree and a four year old inside the window, the last thing i are going to be doing is press ups inside the kitchen. But yeah, I got plenty of stick for you and Derek. And uh, look, um, as I said, I can deal with these things now. But <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what gets people going.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah, but it. it fitness is a huge part of your life obviously you have the personal training business as well uh, AOM fitness if I'm not mistaken um, to give that yeah. a bit of a plug as well but that's probably the, the, the basis then to come around to the the, uh, the workshop on Saturday as to what you'll be kind of focusing on, uh, the physical demands uh, on the modern day player which again you know in the last decade even the last two or three years I'd imagine the dynamics behind that has changed beyond all recognition Huge yeah and, and I think
3: when I was talking to Evan, Evan's a very tough man to say no to <laughs> I suppose the great thing for me now is I have Evan um, on my backroom team here now down in Kerry well over to Dr Croke's hurlers. And look, I know Evan for years. I've been very close to him and um, I think the work he's doing at the moment is fantastic. Um, you know, he just has a great head for it as well and great interests. So we'd be on the phone to each other a couple of times a day. But look, for me, I, I think the reason I got started with this, Derek, is that when you finish playing inter-county footballer, as an inter footballer, sometimes say, ah, oh, this fellow went into coaching this and what's his background. For me, I wanted to learn both sides, so I love the coaching side of it, I love the managing side of it, but I needed to learn the S&C side of it, so I started with Stentac College in 2016, I have two and a half years into my degree done, then I started the United Kingdom um, strength and conditioning course, accreditation through, um, carry GA, and out of the four parts, I have one, part two, which is an MCQ, it's 50 questions. So I wanted to see both sides and kind of, I suppose, gel them together then from why you do such a thing. So I started working now with um Jorkeen. He's actually a new place in Castellan, it's called the Clinic. And we screen and test teams. And for me, um I think Saturday what I said to um Evan was look, there's not by me going in the pitch when you of Mick byan and Eventality." So I said, you know, let's do let's do uh, a kind of a presentation, but let's leave it an open forum for coaches and SNC coaches and people, especially from clubs, to come in and say, right. How can I get, How can I test a team from start to finish? So, you want to test them day one on their yo yo tests and their back squats without having to put a massive budget for a club. Because I see lots of clubs, you know, a lot of them are co- playing coaches, they're playing managers, and then they can't do the gym because they can't afford it. So, I say to Evan, you know, instead of me going up and um, preaching this and that, go up there and say, right, um, these are the croak horrors here. Um, this is what I'm doing with them at the moment. I screen and test them, these are the exercises I've done. These are the ones I've done on the pitch, and this is how you can do them easily. These are the results, and now we've retested them, and this is what they've got, how the program was designed around it, and what, as you said there, the demands of the game. And like the basics that a club manager can go away and say, you know, I'm not spending another couple of grand on this, and see, coach, or I don't need to have the the burden of trying to bring someone else in, and I can run these tests off, and players from clubs are saying, Jesus, this is great, you know, but we did this test here, we did it again in six weeks, and we saw the results are going up. So something like that, Derek, I think it'd be different because, look, we know it in the county, you have everything there for you. You have your gyms and your testing equipment and everything. But I just think for the clubs at times, because we're all trying to catch up now, and like sometimes it's all money, 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 where, as I said to Evan, I think it'd be nice that if you've 100 coaches there next day, you might have talked to your 40 from clubs and they say, you know, I can take away that test now. I can go home now next Sunday morning and do a bronco run or a yo-yo intermittent test. Um, you can do a vertical jump or um, a horizontal jump and know how to do it and the reason why it and players saying, geez, that's great, that's something new. You know, because players, we're all very competitive and we love seeing numbers and we always want to be in the top, but sometimes you're down the bottom, and you're not too sure. Well, doing these simple tests will actually give you a kind of a helping hand for that. If that makes sense, I know there's a lot in that. But I suppose that's the kind of way of coming at
0: it. Yeah, and I guess you you would have seen then, I suppose, with all your dealings in particular, club play, like even the club player now that's maybe not even operating at the top level, but they've probably become that little bit more educated on themselves. And it probably makes breaking the ground then on those first couple of nights a little bit easier because there's already a kind of a base understanding of, of what they've been spoken to about.
3: There is, yeah. And like, the best thing for, for players is that I'm always saying you you'll get the best normal from players. And like for club players, especially, look, families, time out is different from inter-county. You know where you know everything's there for you. That the dinner's there every night and stuff like that. So I, I'd be kind of conscious in with club players that if you give them any small bit of feedback at all, Derek, where you can show them where they are and where they've gone to, or else when we retest teams, you can you know fairly quick who's not working and who is working that. You're not having that disagreement that you have it down in paper in front of them saying, look, you did your yo-yo intermittent there, level two, and you got 18.3 in November in your pre-season. And then you're retesting in January and 90% of your players have gone up and then the one player has gone backwards. Then it's an easy one for yourself then as well. And it's like, I suppose, the stuff we're doing in the gym as well. Like, um, I do a lot where I would always concentrate on strength, speed, power, always have those three things in the program. And then it's a case of, depending on the time of the year, obviously you're off season, you're focusing more on max strength, um, you're in season, it's more power and speed. And you can actually explain to players by going through like these testing results why they're doing such a thing. And for me, I like I always supervise the gym, I just think for club players, when you're putting a bit more time into them and doing these small little things, it brings them on to another little level.
0: Yeah, that will be the focus of the workshop on Saturday. If people want to hear more, they can come along. Uh, Details on the uh, IGA coach. You'll find it on social media. Tickets available there. Aidan, before we uh, sign off, just to get your thoughts, I suppose, on on the football... Uh, seen as it is at the moment, obviously we're in the the throes of the national league. Some would say that maybe from a lot of counties, it's championship season now. Given that they want to, um, you know, much focus down the, the line. But uh, now that you have a familiar man back anyway in the kingdom since uh, last August or thereabouts, uh, what's the thoughts on on the Kerry lads?
3: That's good. Like um, the performance last day against Monaghan was um, was very easy, I suppose pleasing from a uh, Kerry supporter's point of view. Um, obviously you'd see Paddy Clifford coming back in there and i i kind I you can kind of see like there's a, there's a buzz about this group at the moment there's fierce competition for places but look it's, it's early days yes, uh, Derek, we won't be we won't be getting carried away down here you know they had a tough day out the first day against donegal um They needed to win and Jack would have known the last day to get the two points against Monaghan, like, and they were obviously under strength as well. They were missing Conor McManus and Jack McCarran and these guys. So, look, I I suppose winning is a habit and it's good to get a result at home there in front of the home crowd. They have two weeks now of a break, which means they'll probably train hard. And um, the league, it's it's hard to judge the league because I suppose different teams are going to be out at different times, you know, like Ulster, like, are they like it, it's very hard to know what kind of blocks of training teams are in now at the moment. And look, I know there's an awful lot of talk about Sigerson and stuff there in the last couple of weeks. And I know myself, I was involved with 3 IT last year. Sigerson's a brilliant competition. Jesus, I remember from my own time, it was the it was the stepping stone from I suppose club football to into county. If you played well in Sigerson, you know you're you're pitting yourselves against the best county players. And I see that the moment it's kind of pushed in or different with the it's given. Like um, it's kind of pushed into a window. Where it's not give you the fair respect it deserves because I know a lot, even the counter lads that play it, they love it. It's a brilliant competition. It's a great to have a suit medal and stuff like that. But like that, so kind of teams at the moment, they're kind of in, in twos and threes. But look, the league, I always found the league um, was probably one of the best uh, kind of championship modes because everyone at this time of year is nearly the same level because the pitches are heavier. <laughs> so when you were getting older, the, the playing field was a lot better. But you see the crowds, you see the, the atmosphere above Narmar the last year. Uh, you know, between uh, Arma and Mayo, you know, like those, it's just brilliant at the moment. I think the Jay is is in a very healthy place, as in with games and the the level and the commitment that the players are giving. And I see myself they're they're gone to a level now where it's nothing but professional, like and it's uh it it'll be a very entertaining year. And we know down here in Kerry, I suppose a lot of the spotlight will be on doing back to back. And Jack will probably have that in the back of his mind. But I suppose the biggest part of the football year won't kick off until, you know, the group stages or when the, the most of the championship starts. And uh, look, I see even yourselves above and clear there and I know I'm in the cock and all the lads and I see the work they've been doing. You were down a good few players last day playing neat and the performance and, you know, they've been brilliant the last couple of years. I know a lot of those guys. So, it's, it's you're, you're really looking forward to the year. Um, as I said, I think a lot of teams won't show their hands in the league. I think they'll give players plenty of game time and stuff and um, then championship, look, as I say, when you win All-Ireland, you're up at the top there to be knocked off and it's getting maybe those three or four new players in that can keep players kind of energised and fresh and kind of looking over their shoulder that you need to kind of do to to win back-to-back.
0: That is Kerry and dancing legend Aidan O'Mahony there at tomorrow's coaching conference with IGAA Coach in Quilsey. Uh, more details available on the IGAA Coach social media channels on that one and we're back shortly here on Sideline View. Now we're turning our attention to soccer where this weekend we'll see Avenue United look to follow Newmarket Celtic into the last date of the FAI Junior Cup making the short trip up the road to Galway to take on Colga. Delighted to say Dylan Casey with me to look ahead to it. Dylan, it's been quite a another positive season for Avenue, um, still in contention for a number of competitions obviously but I guess this is the big one. This is the one where players really look to see how they can test themselves outside the county boundaries.
4: Yeah, absolutely Derek. Um, you know, these games, FAI... It's what you're kind of dreaming of, you know, to start the season. You're kind of looking forward to kind of away days in the FAI and just getting um, teams away as well, you know. So, no, really looking forward to it. We um, we fancy ourselves, obviously, for Saturday. Um, so, we'll go there with a um, good mentality and hopefully get, to a good, get the result that we want.
0: Yeah, I was talking to your manager a number of times across the season and uh, nearly every F.E.I. Cup draw he was saying we're expecting an away draw, I, th- I think it's 8 out of the last 9 or something like that that you've been drawn away from home, it's an incredible run but it- it's something that doesn't seem to phase Avenue whatsoever
4: No, not at all, we're just so used to playing away from home now so um, I think we're just very very used to it now but whether it be home or away we're still going to give everything we can um, and just keep doing what we have been doing even last year we done not very well last year got very far and hopefully now we want to go further again this year in the affairs well, so... Talk to me a
0: little bit about the impact that last year might have had on the squad, because like you can have your close calls, you can have the seasons that maybe didn't go so well, and you know maybe it can prove disheartening at times. But obviously, last year the culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment within the squad. Like, was there something different about the mentality, or, or was there any stage where you kind of said, "Right, this is it. We're going to have a right cut at it." Um, I
4: think. We just played very, very well last year, you know, with Elias coming in for us. Ronan back now this year for us as well. You know, we have um, we have a lot of options. And so we've tried to keep everyone happy. Like, you know, I'd say, Russell O'Grady under severe pressure at times, you know, when you nineteen, 19, 20, coming up training on a on a Tuesday night in Ross Levin, like, you know, in the muck and in, in the rain. So, same again, just goes to mentality, you know, because a couple of years ago, training might have been called off or whatnot, you know. Um, so we are all putting in the effort um, even last year we were doing the same and it's the exact same this year as well nothing has changed this year at all so it's likewise just raring to go on games and stuff you know so good um, good mentality in trainings. what you do in trainings, you bring it to games I believe so I I'd, um, I I'd train the way I play games so some people might be happy with it do <laughs> rust at times maybe clocking people but you know, um, obviously you don't go out to injure someone or anyone but that's just the mentality I've always had, trained the way you play so yeah, looking forward to it
0: yeah, you, you mentioned that people will know you've had your stint overseas and a successful one at that as well in many respects, Like, did that maybe change the way in which you approach it have you brought some of those traits back do you think?
4: Um, no, I think we've always had them to be fair um, it's just nice so working very hard for the last like seven or eight years and we'd nothing to show for it at the end the end of the year. And last year we did uh we had sort of league and the cup. Um so the feeling last year was unbelievable and you know we want to do the same again this year and even get really far in the FBI, you know. Um last year we were knocked out in the last sixteen as well. Uh to North End. last kick of the game and then lost some penalties. So yeah, hopefully this year now
0: we'll we'll knock on. Uh, if we can just go back to the, maybe to touch on on your time overseas and maybe what you you learned from it or, or what that experience was like for you, like I mean, daunting enough. I think you were young enough uh, heading over. Certainly not as experienced as you are now. Uh, that's the the word we'll put on it. But um, like what what was that like at the time? Uh yeah, I went over when I was
4: fourteen or fifteen constantly over and back. You know, I was doing I was doing TY at the time. I was doing with junior sorry, at the time. And I knew I was getting a contract. And then I um I just kinda of done TY because I knew I was signing a contract. So there was no point kinda of going any further. So um it was very good like those so trainers were very intense you're doing four sessions a day, you know. Coming in the morning, stretching, um training, then after training then we'd have like a gym session and then back out in the training pitch again, and then maybe oh, a bit of running that evening or something. So it was very, very intense. So that's why, like, sometimes if we can see the goal in training, I'd, I'd go mad. I'm just so used to from it back then, because if we lost in a game, um, the losing team obviously has to do running. So, yeah, <laughs> you can tell how that went anyway. But, um, yeah, I just so used to it. So I, I, I want to bring that in. In Whitney to Avenue as well, just so people understand, like as a defender, your main objective is to keep a clean sheet. Like, if we're winning six or seven nil, fair enough, uh, absolutely, that, that's delightful. But conceding, then you know, is um, that'd be a big kick in the teeth for me you now. I'd rather I'd rather just win you know, two or three nil without conceding, like.
0: Yeah, that that's certainly the defender's mentality. At the other end of the field, then, and and a couple of these win of viral, I think last year as well, thanks to Unslattery's drone skills as much as anything else. But uh, the set piece is another <laughs> little skill in the armory.
4: Ah, yeah. So look, they've been poor now recently enough, but Slash hasn't had the drone now at the last two games, so he's slacking a small bit now. Um, <laughs> no, um, yeah, we're we're a bigger side this season than we were last season Um, just in in terms of like aerial threats and stuff like that Um, I know we have conceded goals from set pieces um, at the start of the year but you know there's always stuff to be worked on like um, and I feel like we are working on it and we're getting better at it just even communication and stuff like that you know Um, it can help you out a lot in games even just by talking you know instead of staying quiet and stuff so yeah, with Rowan back now as well, you know, he's a big lad in there. Um, nice little target man to have <laughs> at times. Um, but no, everyone everyone this year now has just been immense so far. So long may I continue.
0: Dylan Casey there, and the best of luck to Avenue tomorrow. Kick-off in Clarenbridge for that one there is at 2. Time now for Greyhound Focus with Alan Troy. Clare FM's Greyhound update in association with Greyhound Racing Ireland. Because this
5: runs deep. Good evening, all, and welcome to this week's Greyhound Focus. Commencing with the action from Galway Greyhound Stadium, last weekend proved fruitful for the Clare brigades, and on Friday evening we had Clare, four Clare-owned winners. Getting the show on the road was Joe Keane from Carrigaholt with his promising novice performer Joe Mack who made a two wins from two starts in the semi-final of a novice 350 yards contest. Joe Mack is a son of Broadstrong Bono and Frost Nixon and he crossed the line in 1940. In the Novice 5-5 to contest there was an eye-catching performance by Ines, Noel Harris, Ivy Hill Bunny, who ran out an impressive Seven Lins winner in a time of 28.97. Bunny is a homebred daughter of Lockhill Blake and Coolivanny Chick. And Ballet Scrutiny got back to winning ways for Noel Gavin. And trained by Albert Mullins, this son of Droopy's Buick and Flandy's Hawkeye, recorded his 13th career win in a track-to-line victory in 30.20 20 for the 550-yard strip. On Lullaby recorded her first career win for Cora Clare's Tommaso Doherty in a smart 1924 in an S3 contest. while well, lucky in her previous two outings, she is trained by Balier's John Brown and is the daughter of Droopy's Sydney and Droopy's Lullaby. <laughs> On Saturday evening, Declan McDonough from Lyscanor had a quick-fire double with fast-fit Lucky and fast-fit Felix for John Quinn from Garth. Both are bred by Dorotas Wildcat and fast-fit Maid, and it was Felix who was first off the mark to record career win number six in 2933, and Lucky notched her first career win in 2940. And Stephen Murray from Six Mile Bridge had Miss Jean in the winner's enclosure. It was career win number two for this daughter of Ballyback, Best and Droopy's Sheen, and the winning time was 1951 for a next 5 contest. An outy action from Limerick Greyhound Stadium on Saturday evening last, Barntick Sydney showcased his potential with an eye catching performance, winning in 2883. Owned by John Reedy from Barntick Clare Castle, Sydney is the homebred son of Droopy Sydney and Barntick Smokey. And in the 11th race of the evening, an A2 contest. Nugget Bunty was to the four for Newmarket and Fergus's Breida Casey and Miles Cummins with a 29.06 effort. And remarkably, at last night's meeting, Bunty won again with an a career success for this son of Paddy's Magic and Miles Girl, and his winning time this time was 29.07. We had four other clear old winners last night from a 12-race card on offer. In the first race, Inislavski Urchin came up drums for a 17 time for Mary Crutty from O'Brien's Bridge. The start of Romeo Recruit and Inislavski Swift stopped the clock in 29.23, And in the third race, an A4 graded contest, Paky Healy had Glyn Garmannis in fine settles for the Manus syndicate from Clare Castle. A son of Ballymac Best and Droopies Mazda, he recorded his ninth career win in a personal best winning time of 28.85. And career number 12 was completed for Rockalong Sierra in the sixth race of the evening. Owned by Thomas Danica McNamara, the son of Droopies Kane and Sue Stout, finished strongly to claim the honours in 29.17. And in the concluding race of the evening, April Rain brought the honours to Innis Diamond for Tom Flanagan with a track-to-line victory in 29.06. It was career win number two for this daughter, Romeo Recruit and Trembling Juliet. And last Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, our record crowds attend the National Coursing Meeting at Powerstone Park Clonmel. The accolade of the Biles Sports Derby Coursing Derby where winner went to the Griffin and Hart clan from Gort with their undisputed champion Mason Brook Gerrard, who qualified for Clonmel after winning the Lockway Dog tri which was run at the South Clare meeting over the Christmas period. Liam Dowling from Ballymac Elegant naturally took the horse and jockey Oaks back to Kerry with his speaker, Ballymac Dina. From a clear perspective, all our qualifiers ran with dis- distinction throughout the three day events. And Ocean Carry, who was owned by young Marcus Gell from Clonara, was a gallant runner up in the Grace and Matt Bruce in champion stakes. That's all for this week, folks. Slawn August Banner.
0: Alan thanks very much indeed for that uh, Before we go just to wish the best of luck to the Clare under 20 footballers they get their Liam O'Connor Cup campaign underway tomorrow afternoon and uh, they go to the Faithful Fields Complex in Offaly for a showdown with the home side in that one the first of three games they play Offaly then they have Limerick at home in Park in Quilty before an away trip to Tipperary and uh, the top two teams then going through to so the decider in that one and of course Championship just around the corner for them as well we'll be keeping a closer eye on that as it progresses That's where we have to leave you for this week. The West Wind up next year on Clare FM with the best of Irish traditional music and song until nine. Enjoy the rest of your Friday evening and I will talk to you across the weekend.